What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. Wrapping up the year, as this is the uh, New Year's edition of the Cannabis 101 podcast, and this week in Cannabis News with David Wiley from OkanaganZ.com slash OZ. Uh, David, I trust you had a great Christmas and uh, looking forward to 2020. Hey, hey. Yeah, it was pretty good. You know, I played uh, Santa Claus with a little bit of uh, Cannabis 2.0, uh, giving, the, giving the happy chocolates out to people. And uh, looking forward to uh, to some some 2020 hindsight. Hopefully, I'm sure everyone's making that pun these days. Yes, I uh, I think that is uh, one that goes around uh, quite a bit. So uh, we figured, uh, you know, we I've only been doing this podcast since um, you know late May, early June. So I don't go back all the way um, uh, as far as a podcast in in this first year. But we can look back at some of the more notable stories and um, the the biggest wow moment I had in uh, since I've started this podcast is the day I woke up and Bruce Linton was no longer at Canopy Growth. I think that was the biggest, uh, you know, one-day shocker, because that the, we're going to get to CanTrust in a second, but that carried on for a long time. The mm-hmm. Bruce Linton story was one of the bigger ones of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. Not very many people saw that coming. I mean, Bruce was uh, seemed to be pretty liked, and, uh, you know, well, it, it, the Canopy at the beginning almost made it sound like it was a mutual thing, you know, when Bruce went on his termination tour, it really came out that uh, that it wasn't his idea to leave the company. Um, Canopy, by all accounts, uh, you, you know, young industry seemed to be off to a pretty good start. That's that's the impression that I had. Um, and you know, so so him leaving was was definitely a, a, a big shock to the system. Uh, and that's been a story that's evolved now too. They have their new uh, their new CEO, who was named late this year, um, coming in from Constellation Brands, and uh, you know, so that's it's interesting that they've they've brought on uh, that kind of an insider, um, you know, from uh, from the big company that's that's overarching. Um, so we'll we'll have to see what happens and how that how that's going to play in with the cannabis 2.0 and the new products. I wonder, and you and I have talked uh, extensively about this being a long game. Um, I don't think this was a snap decision, but I, I just wonder if there are people in the cannabis industry that are panicking early over some, uh, you know, admittedly low returns. Yeah, and that was the sense that we got was, uh, you know, was that Bruce Lee just wasn't bringing in the bottom line for investors. Um you know, David Klein comes in with a lot of experience, uh, and you, that seemed to be his marching orders was to, uh, you know, was to increase the, the the value of the company's shares and the the bottom line. Uh, you know, but again, Bruce being such a such a likable guy, uh, it, it makes you wonder what that means for the face of the company, and um, you know how that's going to change moving forward. Uh, it, it's also interesting because when you bring in somebody with that deep um, background within Constellation, I wonder how long Canopy is going to be Canopy, and maybe it looks like Constellation is uh, is going to envelop that company. So definitely something to look forward to uh, to seeing in 2020 how that all plays out. 
that's such a, an interesting uh, story to, to watch, um, you know, from the beginning where, where Bruce was uh, let go, whatever, fired, whatever you want to call it, uh, to what happens <laughs> to them in the near future and uh, connect the dots someday and see what that roadmap looks like. Um, what does the... Uh, well, we know the road back is a long one for CanTrust uh, in 2020 or whenever that is. And, and when we look back, we see all kinds of breadcrumbs of trouble on a trail to CanTrust doors. Oh, boy. CanTrust. How many times did we talk about CanTrust? And it was always bad news. You know, with <laughs> hiding, hiding plants behind fake walls. Uh, you know, I guess really that doesn't seem to get you anywhere in this industry now, does it? Especially when you've got whistleblowing employees. And that, to me, was a really interesting side of CanTrust's fall, was the fact that their their own people played such a big role in bringing the company down. Um, you know, I'm, and it shows that really as, as cannabis companies, they've got to be above board. These regulations are very strict, and when they're when they're broken, we've really seen this year that there there is some swooping action taken. They had their license revoked by Health Canada over this. Um, you know, they they could still get it back, uh, mind you. They're they're also on a plummet when it comes to well, their stock took a huge tumble, of course, and they've run into trouble with TSX, the Toronto Stock Exchange. They were um, delisted from the Composite Index which means that uh, that's basically the, the group of companies that are looked at um, to, to give an idea as to how well the exchange did on uh, each day. So they were taken off of that listing, though they still are traded on TSX. Um, but that also uh, is coming to question because they haven't been filing the right documentation. So it's just been one uh, mistake after another and there are still some people who seem to think that CanTrust is going to bounce back. I'm not one of those people. Um, you know, I, I think that it's more likely that CanTrust's assets are just going to be bought up by another company. Uh, and that's, that seems to be the more likely end to this game. But no more surprising things have happened. Well, and that's you. You just answered uh, my next question, and that was going to be the the future of uh, CanTrust, which um, who knows if it be um, anything uh, when in the uh, the grand scheme of things. Um, all right, let's uh, let's chat about uh, the retail side now and how. Um, you know, obviously there were uh, milestones of, you know, first stores in your area and, you know, the amount of stores over 300 uh, in Alberta. Uh, we'll get to Ontario mm-hmm. in a bit, but, um, you know, what did you see um, when you take a step back from the retail sector? And, and since it's happened in the Okanagan, um, how do you think it's gone? It's been such a slow rollout in the Okanagan initially. In those first few months of waiting, um, I think it was six months, if I remember correctly, before we got our first store out here. It just seemed like forever. And uh, since then, now in the Okanagan area, we're seeing twenty, about 25 licensed private cannabis stores now um, spread out all over. Not all of them are open yet, but they all have their licenses from the province. In BC, we have nearly 200 stores that are now licensed. So it's it's a... Uh, it's been a bit of a slow rollout, but it, it's here. Um, wow, Alberta just uh, took my breath away this year with how they rolled out their own stores. And 
they've become the province to watch and not just when it comes to retail. Uh, and I mean, the other, the other side, before I jump into what I was about to say, I just want to take my hats off also to Spirit Leaf, which again, Alberta-based company has really rolled out stores in Western Canada and seems to be leading the retail sector across the country. So we're definitely watching them. There's four Spirit Leaf stores in the Okanagan, one still waiting to get its license. But they're leading in the area here, too, with three open stores uh, across the Okanagan. Now, Alberta itself, even beyond the retail, we're starting to see your province, you're in Edmonton, we're starting to see your, or just outside, if I'm if I'm right, right mm-hmm. James, yeah, where are you exactly? Uh, that's correct. I'm in St. Albert. Yeah, just outside of Edmonton. Yeah. It's, and it's it's been amazing to see the craft cannabis producers that are coming out of there. There's one um, tongue-in-cheek named Black Market. And <laughs> boy, oh boy, they're, so they're distributing some of the best flour that we're seeing in BC, rivaling Broken Coast even, I'd say. And, uh, and and that's that's a part of the the province that's really starting to shape up too. So meanwhile, other parts of the country are just are, are tanking. So it's nice to see the West showing that it really is the best when it comes to cannabis. Well, it's so interesting. Um, you know, I, I've uh, spoken some different. Uh, you know, Spirit Leaf is is you mentioned it. It's such a unique situation where there are some franchises, but a lot of the stores are owned individually and, and, you know, speaking to some of them, they were hearing the cap was going to be this and then Alberta blows past 300. So uh, it is um, uh, the wild West, um, if you will. And let's compare that to, to what's happened in Ontario. And it just seems like from the very beginning, Ontario has gone about everything backwards. That lottery system. Oh my goodness. Was terrible. Uh, And you've got Canada's most populous province and just a tiny, tiny handful of stores. So many big municipalities, communities, cities that were underserviced with zero stores. And finally, they got wise to it and uh, have abolished that lottery system. So they're going to be moving forward with a more traditional rollout. Thank goodness. Um, so we'll see, we'll see again what we've seen in other places where. Once you get those brick-and-mortar stores out there, not only do you see more people purchasing legal cannabis rather rather than from the black market, but you're also seeing fresher um, products hit the stores. Because when you have that distribution system, you actually have a place to send these products. So you can put them out into the stores and you're starting to see fresher bud hit the shelves. And that's something that's that's nice to see. Another province that seems to uh, to have it backwards is Quebec. Um, you know, they, as always, they like to do their own thing over in Quebec, and they raise the age. That was something that we saw. That uh, I don't know if it was necessarily unexpected, but I, it definitely made some people a little on the upset side. And, and meanwhile, you know, we've talked about it again and again and again, where you compare people's attitudes toward cannabis to their attitudes towards alcohol. So in Quebec, you've got, you know, the legal age for someone to purchase cannabis going up to 21. Well, you, you're 18 to buy alcohol in that province. So it's just, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, and, and there was a, a court case in Quebec this year where it was overturned that you were finally allowed to grow at home and that that would be uh, challenged and appealed by the government as well. But uh, mm-hmm. it just... 
you know, and we, we've said it this in the past as well. There are great things about legalization, and then there are things that just don't make sense. And a lot of it is the government doing the bare minimum uh, to make this an available product uh, for a lot of people. Now, one of the bigger stories, David, was the vaping crisis. And we are going to clarify this is distillate vaping from the black market. There is vaping with mm-hmm. flour that is very healthy, uh, very, very healthy for you. And then there is vaping with distillate that people are getting from the black market because it's not available until very shortly in most cases. But this was a massive story. I mean, assault rifles have killed how many people in the United States? Vaping <laughs> affected, uh, unfortunately, a few people, and they get banned. Like, it's just, uh, it, it became an epidemic down in the States and then starting to creep into Canada as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about just under 50 people so far who have died in the U.S. due to vaping-related illnesses. Um, you know, over 2,000 people have been hospitalized. In Canada, we've seen less, um, you know, just over a dozen cases here, none of which have been fatal. Uh, and, we're, yeah, we're talking about, they're trying to trace exactly what it's from, but the Centers for uh, Disease Control and Prevention seems to have it narrowed down generally to um, black market uh, cannabis vape products. Um, so that's that's had a big impact on on the Canadian rollout for cannabis 2.0 products. I mean, from a public public relations standpoint, the timing for this couldn't have been worse. Uh, and you've got provinces like Newfoundland, um, Quebec have decided to ban the sale of uh, legal cannabis vape yeah. completely. Here in BC, they placed a 20% tax on all vape products. Um, so, you know, it's, gonna, it's going to have a, a wide-ranging effect. And uh, you, you always want to, to be on the side of caution when it comes to people's health. Uh, but it seems to me that that it's clear from the authorities that the main issue here is that people from from the the unregulated side of things don't necessarily understand the chemistry and are causing all kinds of problems. Um, So there, again, there's another story that's going to shape up into 2020. It has a whole lot of angles to it um, right down from hopefully we'll get a handle on this. We're not seeing people foremost getting sick or dying. Nobody wants that. Um, but also, you know, this is something that's going to have an impact uh, as cannabis rolls out and it's going to have an impact on sales and uh, on the products that people choose uh, and on the resources that different companies put into it and, uh, and, of course, on investors. Well, the one product that was mentioned or chemical uh, that was mentioned and, and the exact chemical uh, escapes me, but it was one of the chemicals used um, in, in concentration camps, uh, by the Nazis, mm-hmm. that is not going to be in distillate vapes approved by health Canada. That is somebody no. cutting corners in the black market. And just, this, you know, shockingly dangerous. Yeah. That's uh, the moral of the story is know what you're buying. Yeah. hundred percent, a hundred percent. If you do not know, don't go and buy it. That's the, that's the easiest way to put it. Okay, so I mentioned earlier that the biggest wow moment for me was the Bruce Linton situation. The biggest why moment was the Revelstoke raid. Uh, you know, this is in your province and another, uh, in my opinion, of, of a province deciding to, uh, 
do the bare minimum, or in this case, uh, the maximum um, of, of what force they could use and and what kind of a, a, a fine or, or charge they could lay. Uh, recap this bizarre story for us. Yeah, oh man, picture this. You open up your house to a charitable cause. Uh, in this case, it was a garden tour. Uh, a Revelstoke couple had invited the community in, come in, come check out our plants. Uh, you know, flowers and everything else, a real green thumb couple. Um, and a few days later, what happens? The RCMP come through in force with a search warrant. When they're not home, they uh, cut down their three cannabis plants, legal cannabis plants, and, uh, and seize them and search their entire home like they're criminals. So how did that come about? Well, it turns out that one of the people on this private um, you know, sorry, public garden tour was an off-duty RCMP officer who noticed the plants and, uh, and pointed to a law that really not very many people in BC knew, a provincial law that stated you can't have your cannabis plants in view of the public. And uh, even though it was a long way away from the road, if you looked real close and you squinted just right and the sunlight was hitting those plants just perfectly, <laughs> you could see them from the street. So they came in with full force and, and took them out. This, this was a shocking story to a lot of people across BC who already had plants that had been growing, in some cases flowering, and felt the pressure to remove them because they weren't sure if there was going to be enforcement. I was one of those people who was affected. I ended up um, passing my plants along because I didn't want to have a search warrant executed on my place just because someone could see it from the sidewalk. And it really was a cautionary tale for people to really know those rules inside and out when it comes to growing in their in their provinces. Because even though we have a federally uh, legalized product here or, you know, plant, all the patchwork across the provinces is still completely different. And you really need to look deep into what's going on in your own specific province, because if you're going off some other province, you can very easily find yourself in big trouble. We still don't know uh, what's happened to these folks, as far as I can tell. Uh, I don't know whether they've been charged or, or whether they haven't been. And uh, for, for weeks after, uh, there was you know, legal, um, just legal wonderings about what was going to happen. And that's not a great place to find yourself. There's a lot of stress and anxiety that comes with that. I just, it's just such a, um, ridiculous story. Um, you are, you are, I, it's, I, it, it's frustrating me even now to think about it. And I can't imagine what those people went through. Um, and, and thankfully I don't think we heard about any more, uh, severe situations like that. But, uh, once again, it's just, you know, you're all, all you're doing is creating more of a stigma that to, to a situation that already has enough of it mm-hmm. making people I, hide I don't it. think that the, I don't think the rebel Stoke RCMP knew what was about to hit them when this happened, uh, because it did become a, you know, a national headline and they, the local police detachment faced, uh, quite a bit of a blowback over it. And so they should have for sure. All right. Uh, let's wrap up this discussion with a look forward. And as we mentioned the last time um, uh, we talked, there were edibles that were going to be available for some people. For most of the country, 
Uh, it will be uh, early in 2020. Season two, as I've called it, uh, edibles, drinks, um, distillates, different things. What is your kind of general expectation of what the next uh, 365 days will be like? Right off the bat, I just really wanted to try those drinks. Yeah. I, I know that uh, a lot of people are very excited about them, and I haven't seen them in BC. I haven't seen them uh, you know, circulated on any of the forums, so I'm not 100% sure that they're out and available yet. But that's something that I think is going to be huge. Uh, you know, cannabis-infused drinks are going to be a major, major disruptor, especially to the alcohol industry. People are going to be curious in trying these, and uh, if they are as good as advertised, we have been hearing things out of the U.S. where in some states you know, they, they have uh, become quite popular, then we're really in for, uh, for something that could change the industry and others around it. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. I have gotten my hands on, uh, like I said earlier, playing Santa Claus. I have gotten my hands on some chocolates. And uh, they're, I've tried a few, and you cannot taste the cannabis. It hmm. tastes generally like, uh, like chocolate. And I, I, I almost find myself at this point critiquing the chocolate and the chocolate taste. <laughs> What's, uh, you know, what tastes better? Um, I, and I've also noticed it, it started to take note of the effects because they do hit a little bit differently for people who are not necessarily used to edibles and are more used to flour. And they have a different effect um, from ranging from chocolate to chocolate. So I think that we're going to get into a little bit of nuance for people who are more interested in this side um, and, and how, how they're going to feel. This whole Cannabis 2.0 um, you know, launch into it we're going to see a lot of focus as well on the science behind it. We're going to hear about extraction and different types of extraction. Uh, we're going to start to become curious, I believe, as consumers about what is being uh, put into these, whether it's oils, uh, whether it's distillers, or what, what we're tasting, uh, what we're infusing with. There's a bit of a, a neat kind of scientific craft side to this whole thing. Um, that really fosters some curiosity into uh, where it comes from and how it's produced. You know, it just reminds me of that old TV show of, uh, uh, you know, talking about how things were made, because this really is a fascinating side of things. Maybe I'm a little bit of a nerd that way. No, I think uh, I'm I'm right where the, with you. It's, maybe we're both nerds, but I think the, uh, <laughs> um, you know, the, as I've said in the past, the, uh, the, th the fact that we can legally uh, consume cannabis is great. Um, the science into the plant is going to be the biggest thing that we're all going to benefit from. And uh, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that don't enjoy smoking, don't are maybe concerned about vaping. Edibles, drinks will be right up uh, their alley. So uh, I'm looking forward to 2020 and uh, keeping this going on This Week in Cannabis News. Of course, you can uh, find okanaganz.com slash OZ for all the latest cannabis news on Twitter at OkanaganZ and David at Wiley Writer. Thank you so much once again, David, for joining me. All the best in 2020, and I look forward to talking again soon. Yeah, you too. Can't wait to uh, see what this new year brings us. And, uh, you know, happy new year and happy holidays to, uh, to everybody that listens to your awesome show. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast. 
your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Thank you.